Welcome back to the Time for Heroes podcast. Absolute pleasure to have Kieran Webster of The View on the podcast today. We're going to touch through his career and focus quite heavily on the new album, Exorcism of Youth, which is out on the 18th of August. Um, but just if we can go back to the start, um, what what was life like for a young Kieran Webster growing up in Dryborough, Dundee? Uh, I don't know, sounds good. I mean, but I technically grew up in Pole Park in Dundee. Right. And, but both my grands and granddads lived in Dryborough, so I spent a lot of time there. So that's where the sort of Dryborough connection comes with, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just sort of pretty normal stuff, you know, really. Used to kick about playing football, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting the ball out, you know. And when when did um, music come into it? Was it was it pretty early on, or was it like kind of high school when you met every day? Uh, I always liked music from when I was younger. Like definitely, always loved it. I used to like carry tapes around with us and stuff and that when I was wee. Mm-hmm. It's like mad pop songs and that that I was like into it. I'd on the radio. That I used to tape stuff off the radio and that thing when I was like really young. But yeah, when we sort of started getting serious about making music, it was when we were at school, yeah. Like secondary school, St John's. For me, anyway. Yeah. And obviously, when when yous came out, there was quite a scene in Dundee, quite a scene around yous. We obviously, you had Blue Vanna, The Law, lots of other bands coming no longer uh, after that. Were yous all kind of, all these bands, were yous all mates? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're all mates, so it was pretty close, like, with the bands scene, especially the, the bands that you mentioned, Love Anna and The Law. We've done a lot of touring with them. I'd known Beastie, the singer, for Love Anna, for years. I went to college with him when I left school, so I'd known him since I was about 16. And also knew the guys from The Law, just from going to gigs and that around Dundee, so we knew each other a bit anyway. But then when we went on touring together and stuff, we spent a lot of time together then. Because, I mean, okay. when you came out, obviously, I, I'm I'm a sucker for, once I get a band, I want to hear all the, all the bands around them. So I was, I, I was right into them all. I can mind seeing you in Edinburgh, you played the Liquid Rooms and you had the Brogue supporting you. Uh-huh. I thought they were a brilliant band, obviously, with Kyle's brother, I think it was Mark O'Neill was the singer. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And, and then after that, you had the twist and things like that, the Occumet. Yeah. So it, it's, I mean, the music scene was thriving. Um, obviously, going forward a bit, like since you have been away, the Snuts have come out. Mm-hmm. Which obviously, I think you had them on support one of your last kind of tours. Yeah, they, they played with us a few times sort of before the hiatus. Eh? Yeah, and obviously, they, they've come out. And you look at that kind of scene that they've came from in Whitburn, you get Mark Sharp and Lewis Capaldi, Dictator. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, I find it kind of similar in that aspect. What do you, what do you think of this nuts? And would you class them as your, your biggest rivals now in Scotland? I don't know about rivals, but I really like this, I really like this nuts. Especially like uh, Burn the Empire record, that's really good. Um, I've known Jack for years as well, and I, 
Uh, they're a good band. Yeah. Usually we just played the uh, SWG3, didn't they? We like the car, car, uh, that was away camping, so I missed it. Yeah, I, I was here on the Friday night and... Was it good? Yeah, it was really good. But that'd be ideal for you, I think, man. That'd be the perfect setting for you. That, that's one of the things I feel you haven't had a proper big gig in Glasgow, like a, like a, a standalone gig. You have always uh, been these running maybe four or five nights at King Tut's, four nights at Academy, things like that. But mm, a mm. proper big gig is kind of something mm. that I think you are deserving of. Cool. I'd, I'd love to play there, like, in the galvanizer's yard, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's a weird setup. It's kind of a funny shape and all that. And it's the first time I've been there an outdoor gig, but but I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's a good place for a gig. Yeah, I'd well yeah. I'd well look for the view playing there. Like, I've been to see a couple of gigs in. Mm. Obviously, getting back to the first album. Obviously, we we talked about the, kind of the scene growing up. Um, the first album came out and. The videos and all, all the stuff around it. You seem to have your friends involved quite a bit. Chipsy, Chipsy was about Jimmy Harris, Marco, um, mm-hmm. Ryan McField, and all the artwork. Yeah, kind of carried on quite a bit into the second album as well. So, how was how was that having all your pals kind of around as well? Help help me at that point. That was good. That was cool. So it was just it was just kind of, it was just kind of continuation for what we were doing anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like we were sort of we were doing, we were sort of hanging about with all the guys that you mentioned, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. We were all still pals. Yeah, I mean through that, I mean I, I've met them. I've met a lot of them at gigs, at, at few gigs over the years, and became good friends with them. I'm, I I text Chipsy quite a bit. I really I really yeah. like him. Yeah, they, yeah. And I, I can mind buying a pair of trainers off your Ryan McPhail. Mind he was, uh, he was doing the, the designs on the trainers and punting them. Can mind yeah. A pair of trainers. Yeah, I mind that, yeah. At that time, obviously, on the first album, you had same jeans, same jeans as in the first album. And nowadays, when, when people talk about the view and the papers and things, you're always referred to as... Um, the same jeans, rockers, or whatever. <laughs> um, five five albums, six albums in now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel it's impossible to kind of shake shake the tag of that? Because you can play yeah. other good songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think we've got better songs like mm-hmm. same jeans, but that, that's you know that's. A good problem to have if you're a band, I suppose. Yeah, it was that it was a, it was a big hit. So, but yeah, no, yeah. I, think, I thought if that was going if they were going to stop doing that in the papers and that probably would have stopped doing it. But now they've kept going with that since we've came back in high years. So mm-hmm. that's not going anyplace soon. I mean, on the same album, you get wasted little DJs, which is fucking that, that that's a fucking greatest song I've ever written. I, I that's a good one. There's a, the connection with Pete Doherty. Everybody knows how you got your gig. You you went on the tour bus with Pete. You Pete mm-hmm. your music got you on the the Libertine stuff. Obviously, Las Vegas came out around about the same time, and there was uh, Carol Barat seemed to champion 
Las Vegas kind of took them under his wing. Mm-hmm. And you had the thing with, with Pete Doherty. And I've always yeah. thought about it. Do you think there was that, that Libertines rivalry playing out with, with yourselves in Las Vegas? Do you think it was a bit of competition between Pete and Carroll to pick a, a decent Scottish band? I don't know. I never thought about that before, to be honest. Possibly. I think about that quite a bit. It just seems so odd that both both of them were championing different bands. No, no to say that they did. The the others, the other one didn't like yourselves or whatever. But working with Owen Morris, how was that? Working with Owen Morris, how um, what mad tales have you got for working with a guy like him? Oh, there's loads of mad tales for Owen. Most of them have already been talked about before. But uh, I, I enjoyed working with Owen. Um, it was never a dull moment, like, never a dull moment working with Owen. And he is a bit of a genius, like, when he comes to getting sounds and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he was just insane. It was tiring. He's like, a guy who never slept. And he'd, like, he'd hardly ever sleep. And just kept wanting to do stuff and do stuff and do stuff and do stuff. Yeah, it was good, though. I'd like to work with him again. He did a bit of time no working with him, but he's in a car. What is he doing now? I, I can't mind the last time... He produced anything? Nah, I don't know. I know that he lives in Costa Rica now. Oh, does he? Oh, fuck, yeah. that's wild, man. He must be getting into some bother over there. <laughs> <laughs> right about this time as well, that kind of on the setting down, there's a, a lot more kind of piano kind of keys and all that. Is that kind of when Rennie came into the band as such as like with the live stuff to replicate it live? Yeah. Um, yeah, and Re- Rennie played on the second record as well. Mm-hmm. I remember correctly, like Rennie was there on the second record, he was actually there on the first record as well. Like, right. he, he wasn't there the whole time, but he's actually played on every single record. He played the uh, you know, the bit on the dawn, the little sort of xylophone toy xylophone vibe, right? He played that, uh, and he'd done backing vocals on the dawn as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was after the second record when they were sort of needed a, a keys player to do the stuff that was on the record. So, mm-hmm. so how does that work? And how how come Rennie's never been made like an official member of the View? Because it has been there that kind of journey. Is it just uh, the the record company or the management? Is what's the, the reason? I, I, I think so. Yes, he's just he's just, he's always been the session. Session musician. Working obviously with, with youth on Bread and Circuses who who also produces in the new album. Mm-hmm. How how different was that then after after working with Owen Morris to, to work with somebody else and, and what was the what was the main differences in the way they worked? Well the, the, at that time on Bread and Circuses uh, that was that was quite a, a regimented not regimented but Compared to an Owen Morris session, it was quite sort of structured and stuff like where we were like sort of made it, but it was sort of had to be, well, sort of everyone tried to make it to the studio for about 11 in the morning and then we'd sort of break for tea at around about the same time, come back and do some more work, finish at 11 kind of stuff. And then we're, 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 like, we're living in a flat around the corner as opposed to in the studio. Um, so even just that, as opposed to just the chaos of working with Owen, we were just like in a farm in the middle of nowhere, and we just ended up like working all night and sleeping during the day and just doing, but like it just ended up chaos. Like 
mm-hmm. that, that kind of front. So yeah, it was a big difference that way. And at the time, youth was sort of working with quite a big team. He was like, it was like sort of four or five sort of in the production team, which was different as well compared to the way we've been working. Because we've been working with Owen, he was just like working with him and an assistant engineer kind of thing. Um, yeah, there was a lot less drugs and alcohol consumed on bread and circuses than there was on in the first two. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, the following album then, Cheeky for a Reason, um, was that like, that was recorded down in Liverpool? Yeah. Were you all staying down there at that point? Um, we were actually, I think, or we had been. No, I yeah, I don't think we were at the time, but we did for doing the album. Mm-hmm. So while we were actually recording the album, we were living in a place just around the corner, like a bed and breakfast type place. But yeah. we, we had previously worked in that studio as well. Like all the demos that were done for uh, Bread and Circuses the year before, or whatever, a couple of years before, I can't remember, but they... They were all done in the same studio and like, but we actually stayed, we actually had a flat in Liverpool for that period. So we've, had, we've worked in Liverpool for a fair, fair bit. Just obviously, around about that time as well, you were touring, you had Sound of Guns on tour with you, around about that time. Yeah. Brilliant band for, for Liverpool. It reminded me, can you mind like the Oasis tour, was it? Oasis with Jet and Kasabian and it was like a fucking yeah. wild tour like watching you and Sound of Guns together it seemed to be the, the same vibe um, but you look like a big family like see when you've seen all the, the backstage videos he's he's looked uh-huh. like two bands combined so what was it like kind of run about that time that scene in Liverpool and, and kind of was it as happy as it looked on the videos yeah, it was a good tour. I mean, we weren't really sort of involved in the scene, I wouldn't say, I suppose, in Liverpool, but um, that was a good tour, yeah. Loads of good laughs, and everyone got on. Mm-hmm. We found out with nearly all the bands that we've toured with, you know, we always end up sort of getting on with them. So we'll end up being pals. I think it definitely helps. You see it now as well with um, Trampoline. I've seen some videos of Trampoline with uh-huh. the Libertines. And it just just looks like one band. Just looks yeah. like if you dodge his good, maybe four of them just go on stage and play a, a gig as if as if we were all one band. Yeah. Rope Walk obviously recorded with Albert Hammond Jr. Again, what was the, the differences in recording and production with that? And is it hard working with Somebody like Albert Hammond Jr. that you probably consider to be a bit of a, a hero, I would imagine, for being in the Strokes. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit. It was it was pretty weird because like, oh, there's, there's Albert for the Strokes, and we we're obviously huge fans of the band. Um, but he was quite quite just like a normal guy, really, isn't he? So, um, we got over that pretty quickly, and it was pretty good, pretty fun recording that album. I was out in Hamburg. Mm-hmm. Over back, that was a studio that was stayed in as well. Stayed in a flat. Can't remember if it was underneath or above it, but in the same building, there's a studio. Um, 
Did that? I'm sure I listened to you in a podcast. Did you say was that the studio that um, John Lennon recorded in? Was no, no, but it has. It's got the same the the desk, right? The actual mixing desk was used for recording one of Lennon's albums. Yeah, that's right. That's I, right. I think it was in New York. I think, I think it was Double Fantasy in Vienna, and it was in New York. Yeah, but they, they to Germany. That's brilliant, man. Uh, even that in itself, like some feet, like yeah. Massive. But, yeah, um, yeah that's, I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah. So obviously, um, the new album out on August eighteenth. Mm-hmm. Working with you again, is it? How was it working with you first time? Is it kind of? Did it just feel like fitting back into the last time? Um, it was a bit different. Like I mentioned, that he had a big team the last time. This time he was working was with Michael, the engineer. And we also were working in his house in Spain, which is a studio. It's got a big studio, a nice studio in it. So it was a bit different. Like it wasn't as regimental as the the London, the London um, recording sessions were. But uh, I had a good vibe. Does it does it feel different as well? Obviously, we're a few years down the line. Everybody's kind of grown up a bit. You just get a degree as well. Is that right? Yeah. So does does it feel different? Do you feel like you've grown up and able to make a a different, more mature record? Um, I suppose we've grown up a wee bit. Yeah, but I don't okay. know. We're, we're still hanging a lap in that, like in the studio and that. So I tell, but yeah, I suppose we've grown up a wee bit. Hmm. I just think it's like the subject matter on some of the songs is a bit. It's a bit darker, obviously. Like back then when you started out, everything was kind of party music. Everything was about having a good time. I lot of it's more kind of introspective, maybe, and kind of mm-hmm. kind of trying to find a bit of inspiration. And there's a lot of maybe talk about feelings and mental health and stuff like that. So is mm-hmm. that a struggle for not only yourself but maybe the group as a whole? Yeah, yeah. I suppose that you do get all these start thinking about these kinds of things, eh? Mm-hmm. Before you wouldn't. Yeah. What would you see are highlights of this album that that's coming out? Well, song wise, yeah. Uh, I like the title track. It's probably my favourite at the moment. Anyway, with Exorcism Youth. Mm-hmm. I I really like that one. I was quite surprised. Like I, that one got my vote for like to be the first single or any of the singles. I was quite surprised that that never got released, but. But the, yeah, that's definitely one of my favourites. I like Neon Lights. I like that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's something Light, Neon Lights is uh, one of the ones you sang. Um, which no. come out. No, I don't sing it. I don't Do you know? Oh, no, it's shoveling your hands you sang. Uh, no, I don't think I sang any of them. Do you know? I wrote, I wrote both of those, but I don't think... No, no, I don't, I don't sing on this record. Oh, I thought you sounded... I, I thought we could hear you singing on some of them. Thanks. Yeah. So. I'll, my I'll, friend said that as well. My mate Tom said that as well, but no. I No, it, sound, it sounds like you're singing. I, I can't even know whether it was Neon Lights or, or Shovel in His Hands. It was Neon Lights, my mate Tom thought I was singing, but no, it's Kyle. 
Right. Because um, obviously Neon Lights is, when, when that came out, it was a funny one. I wasn't sure if I liked it, but obviously mm-hmm. I've been I've been listening to the album the last two months and it's it's just, it, Neon Lights is a grower, man. It just keeps growing. Uh-huh. My highlight, my highlight probably would be Allergic to Mormons, which mm. I it's a that's a total epic kind of. I like that one. It's get the it's get the bit at the end with the hand claps and all that. You could imagine, mm-hmm. you could imagine that getting played at the Barrowlands and the the big gun daft for it. Aye, oh, Fezzy, it'd be a good Fezzy tune that end there. Oh, mm-hmm. Pete wrote that one. Did he? Yeah. That that's really that's really good to hear because it, it's nice it's nice to get Pete kind of what what other songs has Pete wrote like. The, the last few on, on rope walk he wrote what was it called again under the rug right he wrote allergic to mornings on this one yeah that that's a, that's a cracker man hmm yeah they're both good got like live stuff that you've done recently obviously you played transmat you've done a couple of gigs done in manchester and london there's no really been many Many of these songs on the set is that just is that like a conscious that are you told not to put these new songs in yet, or you, do you need to wait for the album to come out before before these songs are added into your sets? Uh, no, we never got told we could have we could have put them in, but I think with, with the the sort of the four Glasgow shows in the academy. We wanted to just like we were, we were viewing them as sort of like comeback shows, and just thought we would put as many of the sort of the, the what, what what we sort of thought were the fans' favourites in that set as possible. And then yeah, we we'll have done feels like live and neon lights, but yeah, and at, at the festivals, we just again we thought like because uh, the, the sets are so short. We'll just yeah. songs that everybody knew until the, the album comes out. It could sometimes be a bit of a lull in the set, you know what I mean? Because like people don't know it. Yeah, so just, you know. I, fa- I mean, I, f- I think feels like we'd fit into a festival set, no problem. Cause yeah. it's the same kind of tempo, you know. It would, and yeah, it's, yeah, been, right, uh, it's been out there long enough that that I think people would people would get it. Aye, I mean, there was a discussion that well, if we were going to play new songs, we were going to play feels like it transmit. I voted to play for it. Play it. I thought it would be good to play at least one new one, but I could see why we ended up not going for it at the same time because it's hard to fit the songs in that you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. You gotta be careful. And you sometimes add a new song and then, and then there's like the tour managers at the side of the set, like <laughs> the stage doing that, and then you have to cut like, like one of the ending tunes that you've been ramping up for. So, who who have we got doing tour management? Is it MD? Is it MD? I would know. Obviously, I've I've had Brown Bear on. Brown Bear's done a bit of tour management. Um, no, it's no Matt. It's uh, John John Walsh. John Walsh. John Walsh's tour management, isn't he? So obviously, just as I mentioned, Matt, there because I've had him on a couple of times. I've had him on the the typical time podcast, and I've had him on this podcast. Uh-huh. He mentioned. Um, he mentioned that he'd, he'd been working on a couple of songs with you at some point that never yeah. never came to light. Yeah, that's and, right, actually. Yeah, it obviously he spoke very high. He spoke very highly, obviously Kyle and yourself and yeah. and Pete as well. Is there any chance we would 
we would, these songs would come to light at any point? Maybe. I need to go back and revisit them. Uh, yeah. I, I, from what I could remember, they were neat and tidied up. Like, oh, they've got sort of a couple of ideas were knocking around. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Matt's, a, Matt's really talented. I went to see him at, mm. at the start of the year and he, that, was, that was a brilliant gig and all. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself? Obviously, with the album that you're going to be touring in November, you're playing Shine On as well. Then you've yeah. got some Scottish, some Scottish shows as well. There's no Glasgow mentioned as yet. Is uh, no. going to get added, do you think? From what I've heard, no. No. Well, I, I, no, but I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't particularly get kept in the loop and stuff like that, but um, say what I've heard, no. Because we've done the four shows, just to try, like, take a beat, maybe DS call to try and sort of spread it out a bit, you know what I mean? So you don't saturate one area in particular. Right. Sometimes it's old, so, yeah. So we're doing, I mean, it was quite a lot on the East Coast this year, isn't it? And then there's Kilmarnock, is that right? Yeah. On the West Coast. Right. I've been telling my pals, I, I've been looking at it, and I said, like, it's all right, don't worry. Because the 23rd and 24th of December are free for the weekend then. I thought they'll announce something later on. Hopefully. Maybe. Hopefully. It, I, I've been to the Barrowlands in the uh, Christmas Eve before, and it's really good, man. Mm. A brilliant kind of end to the year for these. Mm. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, and then what, what's the plans for next year? Are you going to try and do festivals and stuff like that next year? Yeah. Yeah, as far as I know, that's the plan, yeah. Because the album will be out then, won't it? So, yeah. yeah. Festivals, so that, get some stuff abroad in that as well. Just wait and see what comes in. But, yeah. So, uh, after that, uh, after kind of festival season next year, what which what would be the plan? Would it be to go and look at writing another album? Would it be take more time off? Would you be want to do stuff with with web? What would be the 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 thoughts then? Uh, I'm not sure. I do definitely want to do that. So got basically got an album there written for web. Mm-hmm. So I be I want to get that recorded at some point, but I want to put my sort of heart and soul into it. So I want to, like do it on downtime for review. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah, that's definitely always on the back of my mind at the moment. I want to get that recorded. Got some good songs, I reckon. Um, but I'm not really sure, to be honest. It's obviously, uh, learn over the years not to speculate too hard on what's going to happen with the view because it's normally the total opposite of what you think anyway. So yeah, that's <laughs> it. Thing. Things move so quickly, don't they? And... Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely touring next year with the album out. Uh, hopefully, yeah, all the gigs and all the festivals and that. Um, yeah, and I'm definitely want to try and get web album recorded at some point. But yeah, just, I'd just... like to see it. You were meant to support the Paddingtons, and it got cancelled yeah. because of COVID. I got cancelled. I got cancelled yeah. the COVID, and then when I got rescheduled, that was we were recording uh, in Spain for Exorcism of Youth. Yeah. So, so I never, I wasn't able to do the rescheduled one. Yeah, because I was looking forward to that. Yeah. Good gig, right enough, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to see you there as well. Yeah, that would have been good. I would have liked to have played with the Paddington's again. It was good pals. 
it was fucking wild that night as well. And was it? Aye, aye, it's a cracking venue that broadcast. Yeah, I'd seen them in broadcast a few years back. That's what I was. I was talking to a boy um, after it, and he was saying the same. There was mm. there was lots of folk that had been to that gig previous. Aye, that was as well. At the end of the podcast, I got my guest to pick four heroes to come for dinner. <laughs> why? Why are your heroes? And what would you cook them? They don't need to all be musicians. They can be whoever you like, whoever you thank you through your life as a hero. Yeah. I'm sorry for springing that on you in case Katie never passed it on. You mentioned it like I thought it was a bit weird, but I... <laughs> she did mention it. So I, so I thought, I was just, I um, thought Bob Dylan. Right. Shane McGillan. Uh-huh. I thought Salvador Dali, because that'd be cool to have an artist. Yeah. Brilliant. He allowed him. Uh-huh. And then I thought Nicholas Sturgeon. Brilliant. See, well, they, uh, they, I they, don't they, think they, MD's... Probably a good conversation together. Yeah. I don't I don't think MD's picked him. I don't think MD's ever... That, obviously, this is going to be episode 50. And I think it might be like the first time that Bob Dylan's been picked. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's what I'm going to do. Once once I get this episode out, I'm going to get back through them all and I'm going to do like a league table of who's been picked. But I I, I don't think any of them have been picked. Hmm. Maybe 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 Bob Dylan's been picked once, but it must have been ages ago. It might have been um, Jamie Pollock, actually. Jamie, uh, Jamie Pollock for Vida on early. If MD's picked him, it'll be him. But I'm, I can imagine him maybe picking them. I've done a couple of tracks with Vida. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. You've, you've always been kind of, you've championed up-and-coming bands as well. Obviously, you've done the stuff with Vida. You did stuff with Bad Hombres as well, didn't you? You've done a... Yeah. Which, off mic, I want to speak to you about that, actually. So once we're finished, I want to have a quick chat with you because I've got a band. All right, OK. But I... Absolute pleasure having you on the day, Kieran. Um, I don't want to be long, but the album, as I say, I've been listening to the album for the last two months and it's mm-hmm. it's perfect, man. So oh, I'm going to wait for everybody else to hear it. My pal's been nagging me for for the two months to let him hear it, and I promised that I wouldn't leak it anywhere. So all right, we'll just need to wait another two weeks. Yeah, they'll really But I absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, I'll speak to you later and good luck with the album and tour next year. Cheers. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch, the best way is on the Facebook page, Time for Heroes podcast, or on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast, or Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or drop me an email at timeforheroespod at gmail.com. You'll find Time for Heroes on all podcast platforms including Spotify, Apple, Google and Amazon. Please leave a review where you can, share with others and more importantly enjoy.